One of the things that I know people are worried about, especially um, I hear this from our female listeners a lot when someone brings up intermittent fasting is when the idea that when someone is too sick, since fasting is a stress on the body, it could lead to hormonal issues. And then you'll hear the exact flip side of the coin where people swear that it is terrific for your hormones. I'm sure it's situational, but what are some of the known benefits from the hormone perspective? Because I feel like it could be really cool, especially for men. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned, like your example, um, if you're in a stressed state a lot, and you talk about this in FDN, as I'm learning, I've been a month in, you know, these, these, uh, st these stress cascades that can happen, these like, um, you know, working out to stress, right? Um, not getting enough sleep is a stress. And if you're also fasting, you know, stress, you know, you're driving these stress hormones, these, this could drive fat storage and slow metabolism. So I think, yeah, like you said, you have to sort of decide if you're in this stress environment, do you want to stack something else onto that? I think you're better off getting those things under control, sleep, stress, other things, before you start putting maybe another stressor onto the body. Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com, but for now, here is today's episode. Hey guys, Evan Transu here, aka Detective Ev, and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast. I'm looking forward to bringing you guys this episode today. We are speaking with Brian Grin. He is actually one month into the FDN course, although he is not new to the health space by any means. He's actually been involved in it for almost 15 years. I believe it's actually more than 15 years. He's an intermittent fasting expert, and he's one of those rare people on our show that actually did not deal with some severe chronic health issues prior to getting into health. He was one of the ones that was smart enough, unlike myself, for example, <laughs> to actually be proactive with their health and get on top of it before it really hit the fan. There's plenty to learn here today, and a lot of our audience is female, so this might be a great one to share with your significant other or husband if you have one. It could be a good one, I promise. <laughs> with that all said, I just wanted to thank you guys too, because I haven't thanked you in a while. We are at 73 perfect five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. I greatly appreciate this. I have told you before, my goal is to try to get to 100 perfect five-stars before we get a troll. I know it's going to happen eventually. It is inevitable. You know, you actually almost want some trolling because that proves that you've gotten big enough. But I think I can get to 100 without any trolling. So I just wanted to thank you guys for doing that. We do see it. We do appreciate it. If you are ever interested in trying the FDN course, maybe you've been listening for a while and you're just like, all right, how can I actually go do this? You want to go to fdntraining.com slash try FDN. They actually allow you to try the FDN course completely for free nowadays. So that's fdntraining.com slash try. IFDN. If you are more interested in just getting like a printed out course curriculum where you can kind of see, all right, this is exactly what I would learn. I don't need to try the course, but I want to see the overview. We also have that. Just go to fdntraining.com slash course. That's fdntraining.com slash course. All right. Now here is today's episode with Brian Grin. All right. Hello there, Brian. Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast. How are you? 
Great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. And this is one of those cool ones because we actually, we just recently had someone on the podcast. If you guys are listening, this would have been a few weeks ago now. Her name's Dee Davidson. And she was actually actively training in FDN when she came on the podcast. But that's also because, you know, she had done some stuff prior to kind of getting into the world of FDN. So we felt that it was relevant. And it's kind of the same thing with Brian today where, you know, this isn't his first rodeo by any means, just like, okay, found FDN out of nowhere and all of a sudden making a huge shift. You've been doing other things and other things have come up. So I'm also really interested to get to hear from someone who's, you know, kind of newer to the course because Dee, by the time she did this, uh, she almost might as well have been graduated. She was on the practical side. She's doing the testing. So she's covered every module in the course. Uh, So it'll be interesting to get it, uh, get a perspective from someone who is still kind of going through the trenches. But before we even get to that, uh, what I'm always interested in, and the first question we always go to on this show, is kind of like what got people into this space? Um, And maybe more specifically is what health symptoms did you deal with? Because no one really seems to get into the world of natural alternative medicine without some type of story. Uh, Certainly hardly anyone gets into FDN without it. So um, what was going on for you, man? Well, I, I was maybe one of the lucky few. I mean, I got into health pretty early on. Um, I started studying it right out of college, and I didn't actually practice health right out of college. Uh, it was in like commercial lending and did finance. And you know, you go to college, you study, you don't even know what you're going to do half the time. Uh, so, did study finance, um, but also in the back of my mind, I realized I wanted to get into the health and wellness space. Uh, and I actually just started training individuals out of a studio me and a, a couple other individuals from just outside Chicago. And yeah, I just always was interested in strength training and um, just enhancing other people's lives through health and wellness. And, you know, what got it, I mean, I would say there's nothing, there's no huge story for me. I mean, I was always into health. Um, I was never really like overweight per se, but um, I did find as I got older, now I'm 42, but like, you know, once you get past, I don't know, I feel like when you get into your 30s and then into your 40s, you start to realize that the things that you were doing maybe early on weren't working as well, aren't working as well as they were when you were when when you were younger. So I think that sort of drove my interest even more, sort of got me into a little bit of fasting, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, but also just, you know, optimizing, you know, my health and just being almost like a biohacker within within the space. And, you know, so. My story isn't crazy, like maybe, you know, maybe nothing won't take your breath away, but uh, it was something that sort of drove me. And then, you know, just helping others. I've had a lot of different individuals, men and women, who came to me just to learn to get stronger. But then we also started getting into the weeds and focusing on nutrition and, and you know, different lifestyle changes that they could make. Works for me. I mean, that actually sounds like more of a classic FDN story in the sense that people don't always know this. When FDN was founded as a, a course almost 14 years ago, if you actually talk to some of the first people that went through, many of them, almost like all of them were personal trainers. A lot were into actually bodybuilding and fitness, even uh, competing. And a lot of them were natural competitors. And so what they needed is every little edge that they could possibly get. And they were tracking hormones and making sure like, okay, like when I'm competing, like what do my hormones look like, right? Because obviously that profile for someone that is not using things is going to be pretty tanked in certain ways. And they were able to kind of course correct and check. So that's totally fine with me. I mean, yeah, it seems like more of a a classic FDN thing. And frankly, 
this is kind of the goal, right? We would love for people to be doing these things before they have some crisis situation mm-hmm. or super big health issue. And and yeah, you're right. I mean, it might make for an interesting story, but the truth of the matter is even when I share my own stuff, like I wish I could have known these things years and years before so that I didn't have to go through this. Um, I also like what you said, especially for our audience about, you know, once you kind of get into the thirties, you maybe see things not working the same way as they used to. I mean, even for myself being 27, I'm, I think I'm just starting, and maybe it's because I've had the health issues for a while or I had them. I'm just starting to notice or realize rather, okay, I finally understand why certain people that I know in their 50s and 60s are out of shape because I had always wondered my whole life. I'm not, dude, I've never been like a, a varsity sports player or something like that. But to me, I'm like, this just seems so simple. Like, why, why can't we just do these things? But then, Brian, one injury happens or one little small thing occurs. And like, for example, I broke my foot four years ago. I didn't run normally for almost three and a half, four years after that. I could see how most people would take that to the grave. I just sprained my elbow. I cannot put any weight on it still for the most part, like upper body wise, I have to be very limited. And you know what? Sometimes month or two months injuries that get you out of a habit, that turns into the rest of your life. So I I definitely see what you're saying. We got to maintain these things. So um, how did this evolve though? Because you know, it's one thing to be into strength training. I mean, that's literally every person, every other person my age on Instagram, I feel like nowadays is into that. So it's one thing to be doing the strength training versus what you would even label as biohacking or the next level. So how did it evolve into that? Well, that's a good question. I think what, how it evolved is, uh, like you mentioned, I found that like I wasn't getting the same results that I was getting when I was in my 20s, let's just say. And so I think it just sort of drove my interest to learn more about health and wellness. And I started tracking, you know, I started doing blood testing and actually I got introduced to someone that was in FDN, uh, Matt Terry. He went through the trainings and uh, I don't know if you know him, but (laughs) uh, he does, he did a blood hair mineral, uh, excuse me, a hair mineral uh, analysis for me. And I was really impressed with just his knowledge. And what I learned just from that one consultation and we just started talking, we've become friends and he's helped me, you know, since till today. And so I guess meeting someone else that and he, I think he was in bodybuilding. He might've been uh, done it professionally for a while. And so I guess it was just meeting him definitely drove my interest even more, especially into FDN. And then just my own, uh, you know, self-experimentation, just trying to optimize, you know, my blood work and, you know, my hair mineral tests and things like that. So I could, just be the best version of myself, I guess. <laughs> that makes so much sense. The connection to Matt Terry. He's actually been on, I think a couple of times and oh, you know, nice. at least once for sure. And, uh, you know, Matt would be so good. I feel like at bringing this to someone who, you know, isn't into, um, maybe like the little potions and lotions that come with like homeopathy. I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying clearly, obviously women seem to be more attracted to that. You know, if you're like a sports guy, I mean, Matt's going to be the dude, (laughs) you know, like that's the dude that's going to convince you that this is a really good thing to be doing or utilizing. And man, he's just, he's an impressive uh, person with how routine he is and just structured and getting stuff done. So, um, so you ran those tests and then when did you like decide like, okay, I'm going to start actually wanting to do this for other people? Because I mean, FDN sounds relatively recent, but, and the strength training was a whole part of your life. I mean, you know, maybe you were doing the finance stuff and studying that, but you kind of clearly had this passion or interest in this thing for, I mean, a couple of decades, at least at this point. But um, imp- even again, implementing it for ourselves versus implementing it for others, I still consider that a completely different thing. So I guess I'm just trying to really um, dial into the the true moment here where it's like, all right, now I'm going to go do this. I'm going to actually help others with this. I'm going to pursue something like FDN. Like, 
is I mean, is it really just as simple as that desire to keep constantly growing and learning because that would make sense? Or is there something specific you're trying to achieve for others now? Yeah, I mean, that was part of it. I think when I was strength training and then helping others uh, get stronger in this in the small studio, you know, people would ask me different questions about diet lifestyle. And, you know, I would give them what I thought was a good answer. But it, that from there, that sort of led to me saying, you know what, maybe I need to educate myself even more and just, you know, create a better product for that individual to help them get to their goals. So I think it was just the questioning and the fact that when I was working with people doing strength training, I realized obviously there's definitely a missing piece of the puzzle as far as nutrition is concerned and just optimizing that end of it and lifestyle, other lifestyle changes like, you know, stress, dealing with stress and, and sleep and things like that. So, and then also starting a podcast because I do have a podcast of my own. And so, you know, you start interviewing a lot of different people from all different walks of life and that sort of, you know, uh, led to my interest as well through just, you know, meeting other people in this space. Cool. So, and actually this is a good time to mention the podcast as well, but what is it at the time of recording this, you know, we're about a month into the FDN training program, but what is it that you do currently today then between the podcast currently working with people? Um, I'd love to start there. Yeah. The podcast is get lean, eat clean and, uh, been going for a couple of years now. So interview, you know, health experts from, from around the world and, uh, just, my main thing is helping people who are in their 40s and beyond, like try to get their body slash mind back to what it was, <laughs> you know, when they were maybe in their 20s and 30s. Uh, so that's the whole premise around the podcast. And my work is mainly done. I mean, I work with males mainly, I'd say 45 years and older. And that's been sort of my niche. Uh, I start, you know, I, I've created a six month program that I work with individuals with, and we just work on everything from, you know, creating clarity all the way down to, you know, nutrition, meal timing, sleep, stress, um, you name it, uh, activity, you know, activity upgrades. So I created sort of a six step system uh, for my clients. And, and that's been my main niche. Cool. And I love that there's someone actually focusing on this. I mean, I've talked to I mean, at this point, well over 100 people on this podcast, and it is very, not only rare, I'm trying to think if I've ever heard of someone say that like their their target person is actually someone who's a 45-year-old plus male. Um, right. It's just not, it's an underserved community. And half of the time, I think it's because us dudes are sometimes a little reluctant to, uh, to get involved. So do you find, or had you found at least, was there resistance with people in the beginning or how did you package this? I don't, I don't necessarily mean that so literally I'm talking in terms of marketing, but like, how is this packaged or sold to convince 45 year old men who are sometimes like very tough, not going to talk about anything they're struggling with, uh, to start utilizing some of these more advanced health habits? Like how do you pitch that to them and what are they interested in? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I started first a lot with more market and uh, just reaching out. I think a lot of times, like you mentioned, maybe males don't want to admit that they need help. But once, you know, you build a relationship and they, and they have trust mm -hmm. um, and you, they know what you do and they see your habits, um, you know, then it, it, you know, it could be a simple question is if, if, you know, if they're looking to, you know, optimize or change or, get, you know, get their health back in order. And a lot of times it's just a simple question. And it's really not me trying to convince them because I really don't want to do that. I know that's like um, the wrong person if I'm trying to convince them. Um, they have to come to their this conclusion in their mind and but realize that I'm there to help them. And I think that as you get older, I think you start to realize that 
it's tough to do it on your own. I mean, you need to have a, you really do. And, and, you know, I have coaches in other areas of my life that I do need help in business and things like that, that have guided me. So um, I think uh, most individuals that I work with understand that doing it on their own hasn't worked for the last 30 years. So it's time to maybe find someone that's going to hold me accountable and, and help them through the process. Good. So you can teach an older dog uh, some new tricks once they realize, yeah, it's, it's not working after all that time. And I think maybe that's the the plus side of this because I know, again, it's such an – it's like a premature glimpse of it being in my late 20s. But I'm like, okay, wow. Like this is part of your identity as a guy, right? You want to be strong. You want to be fit. You want to be fast. And I get that eventually you're just going to age. Like that. that is what happens, right? Of course, you can't live forever. But, you know, you don't want to – accelerate that any faster than it needs to happen because i have seen especially like when i go to the local gyms you can really tell the men and women that were into this before this was like a huge thing on the internet because there are 55 year olds there and they are fit man like they could kick my butt if they wanted to because they never stopped they stayed on track they didn't do a bunch of risky activities like one rep maxing every other day right like they were probably doing more controlled stuff to keep themselves injury free or at least minimal injuries throughout their life and i see that and i'm like I-, I want that i know i can do this and i'm thinking man that's like 55 for example be 28 years from now i'm like that's basically <laughs> double your life You're i'm like Dude, if you just stay even <laughs> half consistent that whole time yeah. You can achieve things like that, but many people fall off. Now, one of the things we were inevitably going to get to today, and it's something I'm fascinated with, is, I mean, you're kind of, you know, pretty, you have an expertise in the intermittent fasting thing. And I think this really resonates with um, males of all age. Like, it's amazing, actually, how some of the only health habits I've been able to get older men in my life to change is I can get them on the intermittent fasting train. They think it's interesting and they find it almost natural, which I think there's many reasons for that. So um, do you recall like what, at what point did you start maybe learning about that or following an intermittent fasting schedule? Yeah. So I, I remember, you know, learning about fasting actually uh, from a client of mine. She was a woman who was having, was pre-diabetic, having some issues and she was just, you know, going down the rabbit hole of, you know, what can I do? And she came on to fasting and really had great results. Um, and so that sort of led me to learn more about it. I just started experimenting on myself because I like to do that. Um, and yeah, that just, it, you know, I, I, I'd say for the last, gosh, at least like eight years, I've been doing it to some degree. Um, you know, my change, my my thought process on fasting has changed a little bit over the years. Like, like I, if you talk to a lot of people in the health business, or in the health coaching, like I'm sure they something that they thought 10 years ago was is a little bit different than what they thought right now. But either way, it's been a tool that I've utilized, utilized for myself and for my clients um, in the right situation. And, and yeah, so it was actually brought to me sort of through a client of mine initially. Cool. And I, I agree with that. There's I stand pretty strongly that there's some certain truth, right? Like, okay, generally speaking, without going into all the nuances of how they're adding stuff to the water, water's probably going to be better than soda. Whole food's probably going to be better <laughs> than the packaged stuff. Right. Uh, you know, sleeping around nighttime is probably going to be better than sleeping in the middle of the day. But outside of that, you are you are right. There's very specific circumstances. There's unique needs that come up for people in today's world where they might have chronic illness for a variety of reasons. And yeah, you know, sometimes a minimal amount of fasting can be too stressful on the body, right? So we need to dial back for a little bit. But um, all right, that's cool. You've been doing it for eight years. I got into that maybe like five and a half, six years ago myself, if that. And um, I just remember like now it's really, I feel like 
it's heard about so much. So you were kind of one of, in my opinion, like an early adopter to this because now it's like every other person recommends it and there's entire YouTube channels dedicated to it. But you know, when I was doing this, it, it was kind of weird. Um, and again, you have two, three years on me and like a lot of people around me were like, what, you're just not going to eat. It's like, well, no, 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 I only don't eat for this amount of time. They're like, so you can eat the same amount of food. I'm like, well, in my world, like in the way that I was doing it, yeah, I can do that. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, cool. Like Ev's just doing another one of his experiments. So um, assuming or not assuming, but knowing that your um, your perspective has evolved over these last 10 years, like you said, or eight years, where is this at now? Like, I'm assuming you're not someone who just blanket recommends the same intermittent fasting schedule to everyone. So uh, where do some nuances come in with the intermittent fasting thing? Yes, correct. I think when I first started, I was a little more stringent and I start to realize, I'm starting to realize that, like you mentioned, fasting is a stressor, obviously. And so I think for certain individuals, uh, it's not something maybe they should jump into right away. They should maybe focus on certain areas, other areas of their health that maybe need more attention. Uh, so yeah, it's not sort of this blanket, okay, everyone should just fast. I mean, I think that the big thing that fasting does is it gives you bound, it gives you boundaries around your day. And for some people, they really need that. And that could be as simple as just picking a time to stop eating. Like, okay, I'm going to like cut off eating at seven o'clock and that's it. And, you know, that gives you sort of this cascade of results in the sense that like, okay, not, I'm not eating too close to bed, which is good, right? So that'll help with digestion and it'll probably help with quality of sleep. So I try to, you know, look for those big levers to pull that will create these cascading of positive effects on the individual. And that's one of them. So yeah, it's definitely not a blanket. Okay, these are the certain times for everybody because like, you know, uh, everyone's a little bit different and everyone's got a different story. So um, yeah, so that's sort of how I've probably evolved over the years when it comes to fasting. Okay. And maybe this doesn't matter as much because now, I mean, you are targeting mostly those 45 year old plus men, but I have seen, if nothing else, maybe it's just anecdotal right now, but I have seen universally that men will do better and can survive on a, a tighter window with fasting um, than women. And I think probably evolutionary speaking, there's, there's many reasons for that. Um, I believe that can make sense. I've also noticed sometimes not always, but sometimes men even do better on like the carnivore thing than women. And again, I think there's many reasons for that. Um, so if someone is like, how do you make the decision basically with your clients then? Okay. Like what do we even start with? I mean, I know we'll probably look at their health. Like, is there any time I'm sorry, not just generally blanket statement of their health. I meant like health, sleep, other factors. Right, but, right, right, right. Uh, I didn't mean it so simply. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> like, is there a time where you're just like, all right, hey, you know, dude, we're, we're not doing this at all for at least a little bit? Or do you always try to tighten it to some degree? Because, I mean, technically, one can argue that a 12-hour, 12-hour schedule is, unfortunately, in America, some form of intermittent fasting, right? Like, that really is intermittent. So is there a, is there a baseline or are there certain times where you're just like, all right, we won't even touch this yet until we get to the next level? Yeah, you know, first and foremost, I'll probably learn about their habits and what they've been doing for the last however many years. And so if something keeps popping up and let's say, for example, an individual has issues with sleep, okay, that'll probably be the first thing we'll, we'll really focus on. And I won't really even dive into the, the fasting part. Um, and But like I said before, like if they're dealing with sleep issues and we find that they're eating too close to bed, well, okay, well, there we go. We could we can dial back a little bit and try to cut it, you know, maybe cut our eating window down to down an hour. And, and instead of snacking till nine, you're snacking till eight. <laughs> uh, little things like that. But yeah, I mean, I think and, and another standpoint is, too, is, is like I mentioned, snacking is a big one, right? So if you know, I have nothing wrong with someone who wants to have three solid meals, 
but let, let's maybe eliminate the snacking and start from there. So yeah, I mean, everyone sort of comes from a different place and depending on that individual, we'll sort of tailor it uh, to them, uh, you know, what they've done in the past. Well, and Brian, this is something that people don't think about, right? Because when we're talking about snacking and it's like people, I think initially wonder when they hear this, like, is that really that big of a deal? But the problem is, if you think about what we most likely would have been doing in the wild, it's like, we kind of had these, these instances of working hard and then feasting, working hard and then feasting. It's not like you were just walking around and able to go off this shelf and the kitchen here and then your friend's kitchen and then the grocery store and then the Starbucks. Like it didn't really work like that. And so if you just think common sense wise, would a human being have been able to eat nonstop all day, every day? The answer is most likely absolutely not. So I think this is just consistent with common sense that we were probably designed or evolved in such a way that, yeah, you need to have these little gaps in between eating. Now, and this is what's so tough about, I mean, it's a bigger concept, but the world of functional medicine in general and and natural health is you almost have to accept the idea that anything that we are doing that is not in alignment with our ancestors is subject to being harmful. That doesn't mean it's automatically harmful, but even you and I are right now, we are sitting in a 90 degree position in these chairs and that's technically not ideal, right? But people wouldn't have thought about that. They're like, oh, cool. We can relax more. That's, that's not always the case. Um, and so is it, do they, do the guys that you're working with, do they get that initially that like, okay, Hey, you wouldn't really be able to snack all the time. That's why we need to go to these meals. Are they like, Hey, it's not such a big deal. If I have a little cream in my coffee, well, I mean, there, you know, you make a lot of good points. I mean, ancestrally, I think it's, well, I should say this. Looking ancestrally is not a bad way to identify certain things that and habits that we've grown to as humans mm-hmm. and sort, sort of that are, you know, creating this obesity epidemic. But on the other hand, too, ancestrally, they didn't have a lot of the things <laughs> that we have today. Uh, so I think it's, 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 there's nothing wrong with comparing us to, uh, what we used to do. But on the other hand, you got to sort of bring it to people to today's life. And, you know, what can they do? Um, you know, because like you said, there's a Starbucks on every corner. They can, uh, uh, you know, on their phone, have a meal delivered, a smoothie delivered in probably about 10 minutes, maybe. So uh, there's a lot of these, uh, you know, and some of this can be good stuff. Some of it obviously is not. Um, but yeah, I think trying to, I think most importantly, pick small, small little wins for that individual just right off the bat is big. And like you mentioned, um, you know, sitting here talking, you know, being surrounded by 5G and the environment that we're in right now, I mean, you know, that can cause a lot of issues as well. So some of it we can avoid and some of it it's very difficult to avoid. Sure. So if someone's listening now that we've, I think we've properly disclaimed this probably more than was even necessary on my part, but we've, we've stated clearly that not it's not a one size fits all for everyone. There's sure. little things that can come up that might lead someone to being able to jump right into fasting and a decent schedule. I know people that respond phenomenally to a 20 hour fast, four hours of eating. They love it and are thriving off of it. And some people I know have been doing this for a couple of years. I'm not recommending that. So and when you, if someone's listening and they're like, all right, maybe I want to start this. They've heard this for a while. They want to you know, pull the trigger on and then give the intermittent fasting a shot, especially knowing that a lot of our audience is women, Brian. Mm-hmm. What is your advice for someone that wants to kind of give this a try and start it out? Yeah, I mean, my advice would be to, you know, like anything, ease your way into it. And that could be if, like we mentioned, if you find that you're eating later in the evening, perhaps just dial it back an hour. And then, and then go from there. I mean, when I first started doing fasting and I was initially just cutting out that first meal of the day, um, 
I just gradually pushed it. You know, I didn't like jump right to like uh, even like noon right away. And I think that's important is just to gradually whatever go. And, and, I, and I'll say this is if you want to sort of shrink your eating window, I do think it's important to make sure that eating window is big enough that you can get enough calories in, enough protein in. You know, I deal, I work with a lot of middle-aged individuals, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, where muscle, maintaining muscle is important. Um, avoiding sarcopenia is important. And if you're not getting enough of nutrients in, then you probably need a better window than what you've, you know, having a three-hour window, I think can be a little bit tough for, I shouldn't say it is tough for a lot of people. So um, like I would say to anybody, ease your way into it. Find maybe, maybe if you want to cut a meal out, that's fine. If you find that meal is not working for you and you're eating a lot of process, that's why I like breakfast. I feel like, you know, it's one of those things that people eat, they're on the go. And it's a lot of like croissants and bagels and, you know, uh, things that are, you know, highly processed and not really helping them in their health journey. So from that standpoint and, and that, 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 and the fact that that late night snacking, most people aren't snacking on like liver bites, you know, late night. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, finding those sort of, uh, times where you're maybe vulnerable or you're the fact that you're in a hurry or things like that, maybe cutting those things out, um, and keeping your window, you know, away from those, your eating window away from those times is, is, can be really beneficial. Yeah. And I appreciate that perspective because I think it's just so clear if we just look around at people, everyone's created a little differently. They're built a little differently. I mean, as sick as I have gotten, the one thing that has never happened to me is I don't gain excess weight. I mean, even in my late twenties, like I still burn through this stuff faster than anyone that I know. So a 20 hour fast with four hour eating window, um, might not even be necessary for me. And I, you know, I still make mistakes myself, even just as recent as the last, uh, it was like about two years ago, I was in a super busy like work schedule. Right. And so in my head, I'm like, all right, I know I shouldn't be eating this close to dinner. I don't really want to eat this uh, soon after waking up. And so Brian, I was, I was being stupid. I'd work like all day, but then I had this in my head that like, well, I really shouldn't eat this close to bed. So I'll just, I'll fast it off. And this is where you gotta, you gotta adapt. What you were saying is, is brilliant to the modern world. We got to recognize that yes, our ancestors did certain things, but we also live in this 2023 world. Right. And so not eating at all while expending a ton of energy Yes, maybe it was better. Maybe it's the the optimal habit is to not eat an hour before bed, sure. But if it's the difference between I'm literally malnourished now versus, okay, I ate an hour before bed, probably in that case, I was a little bit better off if I'm going to subscribe to that work schedule, which I chose to do. So it's like, you, you can't have it all. You got to kind of pick and choose your battles and then hopefully are able to maintain a, a solid level of health while doing that. One of the things that I know people are worried about, especially um, I hear this from our female listeners a lot when someone brings up intermittent fasting is when the idea that when someone is too sick, since fasting is a stress on the body, it could lead to hormonal issues. And then you'll hear the exact flip side of the coin where people swear that it is terrific for your hormones. I'm sure it's situational, but what are some of the known benefits from the hormone perspective? Because I feel like it could be really cool, especially for men. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned, like your example, um, if you're in a stress state a lot, and you talk about this in FDN as I'm learning, I've been a month in, you know, these, these, uh, these stress cascades that can happen. These like, um, you know, working out to stress, right. Um, not getting enough sleep is a stress. And if you're also fasting, you know, stress, you know, you're driving these stress hormones, these, this could drive fat storage and slow metabolism. So I think, yeah, like you said, you have to sort of decide if you're in this stress environment, 
do you want to stack something else onto that? I think you're better off getting those things under control, sleep, stress, other things, before you start putting maybe another stressor onto the body. Um, but back to your back to your question. I mean, I, you know, I think one of the biggest things, and and you know, hormonally, you'll hear different things um, regarding fasting, and I think a, a, you know what I've learned is a, a lot of it. Um, it there are obviously you know you think here about cell cleansing, autophagy, and things like that. Um, one of the big things I think that uh, what makes fasting effective for a lot of people is actually gut health. Um, I think the benefits of fasting um, from like just the gut relief of not having to um, digest anything and give your give yourself, you know, a lot of people are inefficient at um, digesting carbs per se. So like giving yourself that gut relief, because as you know, and they talk about an FDN endotoxin, um, also known as LPS, is is, uh, you know, something that's prevalent and could lead to something called sepsis. So like. And this is driving a lot of, you know, death in, in, in the United States. So, you know, just giving yourself gut relief from doing some type of fasting, I think, can, can drive many health benefits. Um, so that's that's probably the biggest one. But, you know, a lot of people obviously energy, you know, your body puts in a lot of energy to digest foods. And so if you're giving yourself a break, increased energy and mental clarity is a big one. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that answered all your question, but that's probably the biggest relief. Yeah, I think I wanted to, um, I mean, if we can like dive even more into like the hormonal side, because like I've heard of, I, I can't reference them off the top of my head, but I've heard of certain things with like growth hormone sure. um, and things like that. So I wasn't sure if there was, again, assuming that we disclaim the situational thing that yes, yeah, someone that's sleeping four hours a night should probably not be doing extreme intermittent fasting because it's, it's all FDN kind of taught us this whether directly or indirectly, I think it's more indirectly, but that life is a balancing act of stress. I love working 70, 80 hours a week. I can do that, but I better be tight with everything else. I don't mess with the sleep. I don't mess with the diet. Um, I don't have toxic relationships. Like if I do add any of those things in too, my body gets destroyed because I'm choosing that 70 hour a week stress versus if I worked 30, 40 hours a week, yeah, I could probably eat a lot more crappy food. And I don't hmm. think this sounds maybe not in our space, but to a lot of people, that sounds unbelievable. You're telling me I could eat crappier food by working less? Yes, because it's a balancing act of stress. Your body is made to handle stress. That's how human beings made it this far. So it's where are you going to choose it? What do you love more? Do you love the cake more than work? I love work. So to mm -hmm. me, I'd rather put it into that and, and be tight on the other things. Um, but you know, for me, again, like that's that's stress. So I got to be careful with the hormonal things from that perspective. So assuming that we're, we've already disclaimed all the bad stuff, I'm more curious about the benefits uh, hormonally that can happen, especially like maybe even in that growth hormone thing, if you're familiar with that, which I'm, I'm assuming you are, um, or other, the other things that you've come across study-wise? Yeah, I mean, there are studies showing fasting increasing growth hormone. Um, there was one I was actually pulling up that was done in like 1988, um, and they studied fasting in HDH um, and showing, uh, gosh, I think the increase was 300%. And this was on a 500, excuse me, a five-day fast. So I don't really recommend that for individuals. But also, there's some literature around the fact that there are benefits to fasting, and if it, if it's a little bit of a long-term fast for an individual. But in there, there are studies showing that also just a, a good hour of intense exercise can you can get those same cell benefits that you got from doing fasting for a little bit. So you know. I think you have to sort of balance. I just had on my podcast, Brad Kearns, and he, he, he referenced um, this study. And so, you know, 
there are there has been showing that fasting can be a stimulus to HGH secretion. Um, uh, there was another study showing there's a five could be a fivefold increase in HGH in response to a two day fast. But you sort of have to balance and see what what your goals are. And I don't think that's necessarily a reason just to do fasting. <laughs> I think you know because a lot of these studies are done over like more extended fasts, and I think that's probably unrealistic for a lot of people to do because that that could be a little bit too much. Um, but either way, yes, there there are you know there are some there are studies showing that so. Cool. Yeah. And the extended fast, it's right. It's a whole separate podcast. I, right. I have done 72 hour water fasts. Um, oh. To me, there's not medical advice, so don't go copy us out there. But <laughs> I actually consider uh, it's one of the things that allows me to live probably the most stress free life in terms of like the mental stress that comes from the downside of being as aware of we are is that we are aware as we are like you we're thinking about the 5g we're thinking about the lights we're thinking about the sitting like it can get overwhelming almost and then it's ironic because the stress of thinking about all these things sometimes can be worse than the things themselves right. what is calm to me most is the studies and the miracle stories i have heard around fasting i believe that's my biggest tool like there is almost nothing i'm afraid of and it's also because i check my health status so often to be clear like i'm not saying if i was randomly getting diagnosed with a terminal level cancer that i would go on a seven-day extended fast i mean that could actually be too much on the body at that point and there's studies showing that the cancer cells can actually override autophagy so that's a separate conversation and besides the point but like for me checking as often as i do i genuinely believe that if shit hit the fan for me i i would go I would be doing some type of extended fast. I would reduce all of the other stress in my uh, life. I would ask family members for some help and I would go and do that and let the body do what it can do. So it's kind of amazing. Um, but from that HDH perspective, clearly for men, one of the reasons that they would be interested in that is muscle preservation or even muscle building. And I think that's something worth talking to you about because I'm sure many people that are you know 45-year-old men like want to actually either build or maintain. You also talked about the importance of maintaining muscle throughout one's life. And that's something that I underestimated. I did not know, I did not, first of all, I was not aware of all of the studies on the longevity factors with muscle. I mean, it made sense to me that someone would want a lower body fat percentage, but I also did not understand that muscle directly has a lot of benefits here. So how do you, um, how do you approach that with clients? Like, because I'm sure you don't necessarily want a 50-year-old guy going and doing a one-rep squat like the 17-year-olds do that mm -hmm. I know in uh, the local YMCA, uh, but there are healthy ways to have low risk and high reward in terms of muscle building. So how do you approach that? Yeah, that's a good question, and it's it's, it's sort of this balance act um, because as you get older, you'll, you'll see this, Evan. Uh, and I'm dealing with this a little bit myself because I'm an avid golfer and like I'm feeling, God, my right hip is bothering me. <laughs> it's like, so I, I, you're just more aware and you, you don't want to get injured. Like, honestly, like all the men, the men and even women as they get older, like we just, we want to be active, but we don't want to get injured because we know that if we get hurt, then we're on the sideline, like you mentioned earlier, for months and, and that could just lead to bad habits. So mm -hmm. I think first and foremost, one of the things that I've implemented into my program is more resistance bands, um, more variable resistance. Um, and there's a few systems out there, one called the X3 bar. Um, I've had Dr. Jake wish on a few times and he's, um, yeah, he's a bit outspoken about all this, but variable resistance can be beneficial in the sense that it's easier on your joints. So we're, um, I, I'm not going to go into a whole explanation of that, but I think finding different ways to make, you know, make it adaptable for you as you get older. Also, like you said, you don't need to be doing 
you know, two reps of things. I think you can get, actually, I don't think, I know you can just still build muscle doing 15, 20 reps. Um, yes, you're building some endurance in there as well, but you can build strength as well. Um, so doing the t two to five rep range is probably not great for someone that's 65, 70 years old, right? Um, so things like that, making tweaks um, lifestyle-wise when it comes to lifting, doing some variable resistance with resistance bands. Um, you know, the X3 is one example is, is huge because I believe it's about three to eight, uh, your muscle mass decreases three to 8% per decade after the age of 30. And then it's, it's going to be even a greater decline after the age of 60. Wow. And yeah. I know that that's at least somewhat preventable, uh, doing what we're doing, or at least you can prolong it. That that's sure. pretty well documented. What's also interesting too, and this is, um, something I, I found somewhat recently. I'm not surprised, I guess, but I, I didn't know this, that, one of the biggest things for cognitive function long-term is actually exercise. And who I was listening to was contrasting this to like the mental games that they, they put on apps or online and they say it's like mental fitness stuff. And he was talking about how they've been studying this for decades and there's never been one of these games that's actually been shown to actually increase your cognitive function. And yet, ironically, an hour of moderate to high-intensity exercise is the thing that actually helps you most long-term with that. So... I mean, this is not only great for just your your strength and your body. I mean, it's great for your cognitive longevity too. And then you, you kind of wonder, wait, well, if your physical health is good and your mental and cognitive health is good, I mean, that is prolonging aging. Like what else is aging? It's the loss of those two things to a degree until the point that you really can't hold on anymore. Um, so this is one of the best things that someone could possibly do. And we already have a bunch of good research about it. There's a million different ways to do it. You know, you could argue that some are more efficient and that's fine. But we, we both agreed in this in the beginning of the pre uh, presentation, the conversation. If I go for the next 28 years to that 55-year-old person I'm picturing at the gym and I am even half consistent with a half-decent program, no, I probably would look like that guy because I've been training for 28 freaking years. You know right, what I mean? That right. I'm just getting a compound effect. Maybe he would have gotten it in 20, but like, I mean, at this point, we're splitting hairs. Who cares, right? You got to that point. And so um, just find something that you like and enjoy, right? Mm. Like I know uh, I play pickleball with a lot of people double my age. It's a oh, huge thing. Nice, <laughs> and, nice. Um, I'm kind of surprised because that one seems like it could be quite prone to injury. You know, you're kind of <laughs> running around for stuff, but right. they seem to love it. And uh, if you're doing it's that, still, I mean, we have 70 year olds that play with us. No problem. Right. And so uh, it's an amazing thing. Like just find something that you love. If, when I hear people that are exercising and going to the gym and like, oh, I hate it, but I do it anyway. I'm like, dude, do you know there's like hundreds of different forms of physical activity? Like I'm not disciplined with this. I love going, right? <laughs> like I, I would assume that you love the things you're doing too. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, I say it all the time, but you know, what you can do consistently is what you should be doing really. And if you're enjoying it as well, I mean, I've never been a big runner. Like you mentioned, you run, like I just, I run a little bit sometimes with my wife, but that's it. And mm -hmm. my, my sort of cardio or, you know, high intensity exercises come more from like Muay Thai, kickboxing, oh, nice, and doing, nice. doing things like that. And so, and I'm still doing that. I'm still, you know, hitting pads and doing stuff and, you know, I'm in my forties. So it's something that you can continue to do as you get older. Um, so yeah, like you said, I think doing something that you enjoy, if you dread the gym, you could find a way to do something else. I'm sure that you enjoy. If I may, because I, I actually was thinking about this earlier and I, I'm kind of interjecting it here because I don't want to forget. We do have some people listening that are I mean, they're plenty young. They're in their 20s. It's not the bulk of our audience, but we know that they exist uh, here for us. And I'm sure as this gets bigger and bigger, that's only going to be more true. So I have to ask, even just selfishly for, for no other reason, what would your advice be knowing what you know now 
to Brian in his 20s um, in terms of like being able to maintain things long term and, and be as healthy as possible? Oh. So you're maintaining like muscle, like things like that, like yeah, athleticism, strength, the ability to move and just do things. Well, you've said it a few times. I think it, it, it takes being consistent um, week in, week out. I also, one thing that I sort of changed over the last, I'd say, five to seven years is the frequency of my workouts has actually increased and the length of the workout has decreased. I find that I don't need to be sore to build muscle. I know that's true because I t- take DEXA scans and I, I've been doing a lot of more resistance bands and I'm like, oh, I'm not sore and I can keep coming back. And I think that's important. I think a lot of maybe when you're younger, you're like, oh, if I'm not sore, it's not a good workout. I'm not going to mm-hmm. build muscle. Well, actually, you can do more harm than good sometimes if you're out for those four, you know, three, four days because you can't get off the toilet. <laughs> so I think... Adding in, like, for example, if I do lower body, I'll add it in. Instead of doing it once a week, I do it twice a week. But I, my workouts are a little bit shorter. They're still, you know, still have intensity and I'm still, you know, pushing myself. But I, I recover faster and I find that I come back even stronger the next time. And I think that will help with creating longevity and making sure that you can stay in the gym for a long period of time as opposed to just trying to kill yourself and being in there for an hour and a half. I think that's not unnecessary. You can get a good workout in a half hour and be done and then come back a few days later and, and do the same thing. Cool. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> when we are kind of bringing this all together over the last sure. nine minutes and wrapping it up, um, one thing I wanted to address, again, is, is directly what you offer. Because I know that you have a book that I don't think we talked about yet. And um, there's also you're, you kind of have this name as the fat burner blueprint program. And so if people are listening today, I'm assuming what would be happening is one of two things, either one, you know, our small ish percentage of men that listen to this are super happy that we're finally having a conversation around just kind of, mm. uh, you know, Hey, older men's health or two, the wives are listening and thinking, okay, wait a second. All right. I could probably get them to listen to Brian, but they're not listening to me. So right. what do you offer? Um, like what can someone get from the book? What can someone get from your program? What would it look like to work with you? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, thank you. I, so the program fat burner blueprint is explained in my book. So I sort of created the book to go through the program. And so the, Book's not out yet. It's probably going to be out in the next month, I'd say. I keep okay. saying that, but it's it's getting there. <laughs> you know, books go. But um, it'll be a you know a nice thorough book on my program. And the program itself is like you like we've talked a little bit about. Yeah, it's like a six six, six step system based on six months. And um, you know, we just go through each 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 step and make sure that you know we're we're hitting. We're not missing anything. And mm-hmm. so essentially someone can learn about it just from, you know, reaching out. I have a lot of people reach out. You could just go on my website, BrianGrin.com, and, you know, we can have a chat, 10, 15 minute chat just to see if it's right for you. Um, but yeah, like you said, if, if the women are listening and they think it's right for their, their husband or significant other, then um, it's always good to have a third party <laughs> to come in there and talk and, um, and give guidance as opposed to you trying to because, you know, we, we know how that works when you try to help a family member. <laughs> it doesn't always work the way we want it to work. So, yeah, so my my, my, my blueprint's based around creating clarity, um, creating, you know, small changes right off the bat, um, activity upgrade, wrap our arms around stress management, sleep, and uh, nutrition. So. Very cool. Of course, we'll have um, your links in, like, the podcast in the show notes. So if, uh, maybe... 
that could be something that the wives do as well or significant others. Just, you know, hey, grab the episodes that you like, send them over to the husband. And, you know, because again, you're, you remind me very much of Matt in the sense that when I see you guys, you come across as like standard dudes, right? Like totally cool, normal guys. And then you're able to actually relate to these men a little bit more. The, the problem is, honestly, for myself in person, I come across as so eccentric and nerdy that and I don't have a problem with that, right? I, I'm happy with who I am, but right. it does. There's a disconnect, right? I'm not the guy who's like watching football. I couldn't tell you who our quarterback is for my team, and we're on the Eagles. Apparently, they're doing pretty well this year, right? Like, I don't even know who the quarterback is. So I have a disconnect with these guys where I feel like, um, and I don't, I don't know you that well, but I feel like you or Matt can talk these languages a little better, and then let them know, hey guys, it's also important to take care of your health. Um, it's not just for the eccentric nerds out there; it's for everyone that wants to live a good life. So that could be something that resonates with them a lot more. Um, in terms of client stuff, I'm not asking you to give your secret sauce away, but I think it does help people to kind of know, like, if I was going to pursue you as a coach and I wanted to work with you one on one, yeah, what does that look like? Do we hop on weekly calls? Do I have extra support or is it kind of a little more back off? Like, I'd love to know what that might look like from a outline standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. It is weekly calls. Yeah. So uh, initially the first call is probably a little bit longer. We just go through your, like your history, like what you've, what your habits have been like over the last year, two years, five years, <laughs> try to get a feel for that. And then, you know, we, we do do some baseline testing and that's part of the reason I wanted to get to FDN a little bit more. Cause I, I did, I did, you know, notice that there's a lot of great tests that you can come from that. So um, implementing those tests along with like a DEXA scan and, um, and learning about, you know, their bone mass, muscle mass percentage, um, uh, fat percentage, things like that. So yeah, we start with sort of this baseline of what you've done, what, what your habits have been like, and then, you know, where you're at right now, and then obviously where you want to go and really focus around, okay, what's your why? Like, what's really going to drive, what, what's really going to drive you through? Because, you know, like we all know, it's not a linear sort of progression is there's ups and downs and there's there's plateaus and but that's what the coach is for sort of to get you through those times so that's what we would initially do and then we do weekly calls like you mentioned awesome i love this is there any um social media handles that we haven't shouted out yet um i'm on instagram bd grin um and on my website briangrin.com all all my social media is on there you know i'm on linkedin and facebook and things like that as well so cool I will sneak uh, one FDN question out of you since I have uh, sure. a few minutes here. One thing I got to ask, because I, I know you're only a month in, so this is tough, but I always want people to answer this honestly. I mean, of course, be polite, but still, I, we want honest answers. I don't want someone just being nice because they're on the podcast. So far in what you've done in the month, would you say the program, based on what you expected it to be, has exceeded, met, or maybe didn't match up to uh, the expectations that you had before starting it? I mean, I would say, I would say it's, it's met my expectations. I, I've, um, I try to do a little bit every day, you know, so whether that's 10 minutes or 30 minutes, but, um, I do like that everything's sort of like, there's not like a two hour lecture. There's a 30 minute lecture, a 20 minute lecture. And you can sort of, cause we know we lose our, atten- you, you can lose your attention span quick, even though it's something I'm intrigued about. So I think, uh, I like the way that it's formatted and so far so good. And I've been just awesome. doing a little bit every day. 
Cool. Yeah. Look, probably a little premature to ask the <laughs> deeper questions about FDN, but it, it's exciting. I, I hope that you have a fun time with it. Um, my girlfriend, Maddie, she is going through her practicals right now. So she's about mm-hmm. to graduate. My best friend is going through his practicals. Do not ask how I pulled off both these people at the same time, but uh, <laughs> this is a miracle after six years that yeah. I have two really important people in my life doing this. And then his girlfriend is actually going through, but she that. started... Um, uh, a little later than them. So she's grinded it out, just uh, started a little later. So it's just exciting. I love when people are going through this. I love that people are still doing it, even at a time that a lot of people are scared about and considering tough. I think this is a really great opportunity still. People care about their health. And I can speak for at least myself and like people like my mom. Long before there was you know economic worry and, and you know people are really thinking about this more, that we didn't have any money left and we still are every day. Our top priority was our health and getting figure, that figured out because it's hard to make money, first of all, and do normal jobs when you are chronically ill. So that kind of sucks. And then there's just the general idea of many people do understand that their time here is limited and we don't want to be spending 20 years of it, you know, not feeling good or, or being super overweight or not moving the way that we used to. Or if you're a man that's aging in today's world, I'm assuming um, if you don't take care of yourself like you do, they're probably having other issues that they're not too thrilled about that maybe they weren't having at 18. So mm-hmm. that, there's good marketing right there, right? That's all you got to say. And then all of a <laughs> right. sudden they'll do any lab that you want. But um, I mean, seriously though, like we don't want to fall apart. So we really don't have to, we can age gracefully and how we can do that is using things like this. It's always going to be in demand. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not worried about this at all. In fact, I'm putting more of my time into this now, knowing that the economy is getting a little crazy. So that's cool. Brian, I want to finish up with our signature question on this show. It's a little different than what I said before when I was asking you to target specifically advice for like 20 somethings. Uh, the question I'd like to finish up on is if we could give you a magic wand and you could wave it and get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health, whether that is you literally get them to do one thing or maybe you stop getting them to do one thing, what is the one thing that Brian would get them to do? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I asked one question on my podcast at the end too. Um, <clears throat> so what would be the one thing I either stop them from doing or get them to do? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I would get them doing daily walks. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think that in the, in the, it's it seems so simple, but I, I feel like it has such a big lever on health. You know, it gets you in the sun, gets you outside in nature, maybe away from your phone and um, can help with mood, um, can help with bone density um, and even cardio health. So I think it just it, it's one of those things that it's a, it, you think it's simple and it's not a big deal, but it actually can create this cascading of health effects that can just lead you down a great road. So, um, yeah, I would say going for daily walks. Excellent. Brian, thank you so much for coming on. Again, guys, you can find all his links in the show notes. And ladies, this might be what you've been waiting for for 200 episodes. If you want to get the hospital port, <laughs> it's about time. it really could be the time. So uh, thank you, man. Thanks so much, Evan.